Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From Luminary, this is British Villains. Trains and cash, trains and cash. That's all Bruce and his crew thought about for months. It was a job they knew had potential for a huge payday. But at this point in the proceedings, they only had half a plan. All major questions remained unanswered. Where to find the right place to stop the train? What was the right way to stop the train? And how would they secure the right hideout? We heard in the last episode how Bruce had gone back and forth with the South Coast Raiders trying to strike a deal. But he still wasn't convinced that they were the right crew to execute this high-risk job. The trouble with villains is that they don't always stick to a plan. And Bruce was meticulous about plans. This was his Sistine Chapel. And he wasn't going to leave anything to chance. It was obvious you were going to need a lot of people to pull it off. There were various army bases in the area. Bruce got his army uniform, major's cap, with the officer and the gentleman glasses and moustache. They didn't know exactly how much they were going to steal, and none of the men in the team really wanted to let those mailbags out of their sight until they'd opened them up and counted how much they'd got and everybody got their share. Okay, here are the facts. On August 8th, 1963, in the middle of the night, a crew managed to stop and rob a Royal Mail train heading from Glasgow to London. They got away with £2.6 million, that's about 80 to $100 million in today's money. It was the biggest haul in UK history. 
There are so many versions of this story. Who was where, who knows what, who did what with whom. I'm just trying to find out how this plan came together. There's Derek Glass's story, my dad. The solicitor was Weta, who was Gordon's solicitor. And then there's my mum's story. But I can remember them going up to Waterloo. And then there's Nick Reynolds's story. For him, it was the thrill of doing Which doesn't quite match with Dick Hobbs or Nick Russell-Prevere or any of the other fucking writers and pundits we've chatted to so far. So it's quite a fluid little setup. And most of the people who took part in the train robbery have either kept it shtum for nearly 60 years or they're fucking brown bread. Dead for my American listeners. All right, here are our list of players so far. So my dad got to hear about this. We got Nick Reynolds, son of Bruce Reynolds. The first thing they needed to do is to get the train to stop. Nick Russell Prevere, historian, sheep farmer. So the notion of the gang becomes a bit problematic. Professor Dick Hobbs, resident sociologist, criminologist. So am I suggesting, um, therefore, that the... Insider was a member of the British Transport Police. Graham Satchwell, former detective, chief superintendent. It was the biggest robbery we'd ever had. My mum Heather and my dad Derek Glass. I got underground at the time. You see what I'm talking about? There is so much fucking waffle about this robbery. It's been so diluted and reworked, and it seems like almost everyone has a fact to throw into the mix. He made it his baby. You know, he went out and uh, went up and down all the train lines, worked out where to stop the train. Planning it for nine months. And they used to take turns and check the times of the trains and all that, you know. So when, when Cheddington something was the crossing, when it went off... It all went military. But there's a lot of country between Glasgow and London. So where would you stop the train? If you're going to rob a train in the middle of the night, it makes sense to be far enough in the sticks so there's nobody around, but close enough to London that the train has picked up most of its haul. They also needed to find a spot close to a road. But it had to be a quiet road without any passing traffic. After nine months of planning, and Bruce said... Well, where are we going to stop it? And Bruce said, this is the place to stop it. Bridego Bridge was selected as the stopping point. Tucked away, no buildings nearby, and close enough to the tracks to transport the hall without much fuss. It was perfect. So that was sorted. But we are still left with the question, how do you stop a train? That's where the South Coast Raiders came in. We talked about them in the last episode. They've been having sort of relative uh, success on on trains, on on Southern Railways. They'd already run a few small jobs on the London to Brighton line. So if you wanted to rob a train, the Raiders were the obvious crew for the job. But remember, they'd never actually stopped any trains successfully. And uh, so my dad got to hear about this and thought the only way they're going to be able to pull off uh, the robbery properly is if they could handle the signals and control the train um, without giving off any alarms. So they sought him out, Roger. Roger Caldry was the leader of the South Coast Raiders. You know, and they told him uh, what they wanted to do, and he said, OK, he'd be in, but only if he could bring his firm on board, which a lot of the ga- other gang wasn't too kind of happy about, but as my dad pointed out, it was a lot of money, um, and the more hands, you know, make light work. More hands could also be a liability. More fingerprints. The train had been knocked around 
for quite a few years, you know, people was aware that there was vast sums of money going up and down, but it was technically how to stop it without letting any alarms go off was one thing. And the other thing is nobody really wanted, uh, thought it was untenable, really, because it was obvious you were going to need a lot of people to pull it off. And the more people you've got, the more risk there is of it going wrong. But the raiders knew about train tracks and signal lights. They also knew that trains would obey those lights no matter what. So if you wanted to direct the train to keep going or stop altogether, then that's how you would do it. Bingo. They'd finally answered the question. How do you stop a train? There's a a set of lights which are a certain distance apart. And when the train uh, is coming down the track, they can see them from a distance and when it's all green, obviously they keep going just like traffic lights. But when there's a stoplight, the first light is set to amber, rather like a traffic light, which tells the driver he's going to have to slow down because there's a stop signal ahead. Knowing this sequencing is vital. The driver is looking for two lights. And if the first isn't green, if it's yellow, that means he needs to start slowing down because there's going to be a red light up ahead. It's a big train, takes a bit of time to slow down, particularly to come to a complete standstill. So they had to doctor two lights, the amber light, straight green light, and the the green and stop light uh, at the final uh, stop at Sears Crossing. So uh, that there was a kind of mild technical complication in doing that. And um, Roger Cordry, who'd had some experience on the sort of southern region of the London to Brighton line, had worked out a way of, of sort of doctoring Um, these signals. They wouldn't have time to dismantle the lights, so it made sense to try and cover them instead. Also, everything on a train track is wired to a central office, which is very risky. Now, if, for instance, you would simply cut through the wires to the green light in order then to impose a red light where there should have been a green, and stop the train, which was the essence of the... Then an alarm would go off in the signalman's box, telling him that something had gone wrong with the signals. That's a real emergency on the railway, of course. Um, Similarly, if you unscrewed the light bulb um, at the signals, the same thing would happen. What he's saying is the villains would need to doctor the lights in such a way that the railway officials wouldn't be alerted that something's going on. It's really important that they um, understood that, and Roger Cordry did have a very good grasp of that. And the system he came up with, which sort of sounds a little bit like a kind of, um, I don't know, famous five-type Enid Blyton sort of kind of caper, he, um, he came up with the idea that they would cover the green light with a black leather glove. So, the big secret. The reason that Cauldroy and his crew are being cut in on this enormous raid is to stick a glove over a light bulb. I have to say, it's genius. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. 
For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Therefore, obviously, you wouldn't be able to see it and connect uh, a nine volt battery with crocodile clips to the red and amber lights to make them come on rather than interfere in any way with the wiring or to fiddle around with the bulbs and everything, thereby meaning that they could basically have the green light showing amber and the, and the other green light showing stop, a red light, uh, and the signalman would not get the alarm that showed him that there was a problem with the, those signals. So thanks to the South Coast Raiders and their glove technology, the crew finally has a system to change the traffic lights, which means they've got a way to stop the train undetected. But they're not done and dusted, because how the hell are they going to get the bags of money out? Well, we've got to do this properly. We've got to search it. And so Bruce said, right, why don't you go, why don't we go to the railway station and see if we can nick any women's clothing, like jackets. He said, Bob, where the signal boxes are, there's always gear in there, you know, for breakdowns. Right. So eventually that's what they did. They got a couple of workmen's clothes. In the weeks and months beforehand, Bruce and the crew have been doing reconnaissance, riding the trains, going undercover and posing as workmen. It's risky work, but it's crucial that they find out how these mail trains operate. They discover that the locomotive and the two male coaches are up front. The high-value coach is always the second of the two. Now, here lies the problem. They need to get the train to the bridge because that's where they'll be able to toss the mailbags off the bridge straight onto a waiting truck. But the problem is the stoplight is a quarter mile from the bridge. So how do you get a stopped train? To the bridge. Bruce has an idea. And watching, and he said, well, you go and watch how they uncouple these trains. You put on your Nick Railway uniform, you walk around the rail yard, and you watch. And so they watch them on the tracks when they go to the railway yard where the uncoupling happened. So you're walking along in your railway suits. Right, and looking at them. And everyone doesn't take, and they don't take any notice. Because don't forget, there's ordinary workers doing construction work on the lines all the time. 
In other words, a new plan. Stop the train, then uncouple the engine and the mail cars and drive them a quarter mile to Bridego Bridge because that's what you need to do. Here's the thing. People talk about the train robbery today. They talk about the money, the scandal. But it's also a story about organisation, logistics. They plan this job for months and we haven't even gotten into how the train's going to move once they get it uncoupled. I mean, driving trains isn't usually on a robber's resume. Enter Ronnie Biggs, who at the time, would you believe it, happened to be painting and decorating a retired train driver's house. No one, I mean no one, wanted Biggs on the crew. He was not a known commodity and considered an outsider. Bigsy was certainly not the tried and tested villain they wanted, and he had a big mouth. And that's not a good quality in a villain. But Biggs had the driver, and without the driver, the plan was going nowhere. But then the crew start thinking, what happens if the driver on the train doesn't do as he's told after we've stopped it? He won't give up the controls. What if he refuses to drive the train to the bridge? Or has a heart attack? Or tries something heroic? More on how that plays out later. For now, the villains are just trying to ensure they have a decent window of time to raid the train, grab the money and get out. Because if that's possible, then it's the perfect crime. If that's possible. Roy James, one of the team who was an amateur racing driver. We heard about James previously. Was very keen to do a kind of Italian job type uh, getaway, have some specially prepared cars and get back to London, which undoubtedly would have worked in the terms of the, the time it would have taken for the police to respond effectively or put up any red box. They could have been home and in bed by the time the police really sort of even worked out what had happened. So here's where we are. The crew know how to stop a train, they know where to stop it, and they know what they'd do next. The crew has all the pieces they need to get the money off the train with Bruce Reynolds as the leader, Gordon Goody, Sergeant Major, and Jimmy White, Quartermaster. Roy James, the race car driver, will be the cable cutter as well as the train car uncoupler. Roger Caldry and the South Coast Raiders will take care of fixing the signals. Blokes like Buster and Big Jim Hussey are designated muscle. When needed, of course. The last piece of the puzzle was figuring out how to get the money back to London. As it stands, two options lay on the table. Make a midnight dash, Roy James's vote, or find a place nearby to lay low. The key reason why they opted for the second option, which is to have a hideout near to the crime scene, was actually uh, about the fact that there is no honour amongst thieves. It's because they didn't know exactly how much they were going to steal. And none of the men in the team really wanted to let those mailbags out of their sight until they'd opened them up and counted how much they'd got and everybody got their share. And so they decided if they'd had a hideout, they could all retreat back there, they can count the money, share it all out, and everybody can go their separate ways. Of course, the racing car driver, Roy James, wanted to have a fleet of Jaguars flying back to London loaded with banknotes which would have been a pretty glamorous way to end the raid. But there was no time before they left to do an even divvy-up of the money. And with that many villains, that was a problem. Put yourself in their shoes. How do you know that the car you're in has the same amount of money as the one in front of you? 
What happens if that bloke fucks off and steals your share? I think that was something that which, which caused them some kind of anxiety, you know, that they, they might somehow lose out or somebody might take off with the money and they'd never see it again. So anyway, they ended up in this farmhouse. Right. So the villains settled on buying a farmhouse, which would serve as their hideout, a place where they could launch the raid from and count the money afterwards. It was called Leather Slade Farm. Bruce was touring local estate agents and saw a farm. Came back and said, I've seen somewhere, we need someone to buy it. The farm was about £5,000. So they found someone to agree to put his name to buying the farm. And they did this. The solicitor was Weeter, who was Gordon's solicitor. But Gordon knew solicitor. The, week, the solicitor's clerk, Brian Fields, who was very slippery. Basically, Gordon Goody, one of the main crew members, knows a guy who knows a guy to... Put the deposit down, which was 10%, with um, an extended contract day. So they bought the farm, took all the provisions up there. Right, so off to the farm they all head. They got food, beer, sleeping bags, Monopoly. They all assembled at, at this farmhouse um, with a view to raiding the train in the early hours of Wednesday the 7th of August. Um, it was following a bank holiday and that meant that there would be more money on the train than there would be over a, after a normal weekend. Pause a minute. That is a massively important point. A bank holiday is a public holiday in the United Kingdom. It's a day when most businesses, including banks, are closed. But people are still out and about spending lots of money. So the point is, the train would be loaded with a lot more cash than normal. In fact, the robbery was actually rescheduled after they received a tip-off from a Royal Mail employee, also known as the Ulsterman, who famously avoided arrest. The tip stated there could be ten times the normal amount of money if they waited until the bank holiday weekend. Ten times. That's what shifted this robbery from good to great. Back to the setup. Leather Slade Farm is about 28 miles from Bridego Bridge. The crew starts arriving, checking in. They're getting close. Bruce got his army uniform, major's cap, right. the officer and the gentleman, glasses and moustache. He's in charge in the leading jeep. Now they're going to stop the train. Army uniforms because they're driving a bunch of military trucks to use on the job. There were various army bases in the area and it was quite common for you know there to be manoeuvres and exercises. So their thinking was that um, if somebody saw some military trucks going down the road late at night, they would just think, OK, it's just the army doing something and they won't take any notice. Personally, I think it's also because Bruce Reynolds enjoyed a bit of dress up, as we've already established. Anyway, night of August 7th, there's a clear moon, more light than usual. Bruce Reynolds, in his autobiography, talks about prowling around the farmhouse all afternoon, feeling irritated. Waiting is the most difficult time, he writes. It's when people look inwards and begin asking themselves questions. Finally, the clock strikes 11. The crew change their clothes. 
Bruce puts on his military uniform. He completes his costume with a beret from the Special Air Service with the motto, Who Dares Wins? He is ready for the biggest acting role of his life. It's a city was very romantic and very well read. Nick Reynolds again, talking about his dad. For him, it was the thrill of doing it, and uh, he always called um, the great train robbery you know, his Sistine Chapel. Bruce and the crew had their plan, which they were finally ready to execute. But not one of them had spotted a flaw, a critical mistake that each and every villain involved had made. Next episode, how Bruce's Sistine Chapel got painted. That was until the roof came crashing down. They jump up on the thing, pull him over, and he bashes his head on the floor. He instantly jumped down, went to the trackside fan, picked it up, and found the wires were cut. In reality, the robbers had a very short window of opportunity to attack that train. From Luminary, British Villains is a production of The Cut, Ninth Planet Audio and Western Sound. Executive producers are William Green, Aaron Ginsberg, Jimmy Miller, Hans Sarney and Ben Adair. The show was written by Rosecrans Baldwin and Vanessa Sadler. Nick Reynolds and Edward Rose composed the theme. Music by Michael Cruz. Producers include Christina Moore, Annette Runhell and Stephanie Aguilar. The show was sound designed and engineered by Dan Leone. Up next, episode six, The Crime of the Century. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. 
plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive Budget Beach Finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Generations Riviera Maya Resort and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com.